When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi friends, welcome back to the English Vocabulary Help Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to review 18 essential American English idioms. I make this list of idioms by just listening to my friends in conversation, watching television, and my friends all know that I'm an English teacher, so from time to time, which means once in a while, they text me a really good idiom that they use in a conversation. So every time I get a list, I tend to teach these on the podcast. So let's get into today's English lesson. So sometimes when we're growing up as children, we want to be just like our mothers, or we want to be just like our fathers, and maybe we even want to have the same career or job that our mothers and fathers have. If we want to do this, we can say we want to follow in their footsteps. If your mother is a doctor and you grow up wanting to be a doctor as well, you can say, I am trying to follow in my mother's footsteps. I'm trying to be a doctor just like her. You can also follow in another person's footsteps that's not necessarily your family member. If you just want to take someone else's example, like a friend or some sort of other leader that you respect, you can say, I want to follow in their footsteps. I've been asked about this English phrase a few different times, and I wanted to teach it in this lesson because I heard it recently in my own life as well. So when you have children, they hit different milestones. A milestone is just a measure of something that you've made progress with. So the phrase that you can use is hitting a milestone. If you hit a milestone, you hit some sort of marker that measures your progress. With children, when they're babies, we have different milestones that show they are developing correctly and they're learning correctly. For instance, walking for children is a huge milestone, as well as crawling and sitting up. These are all small milestones that help you understand if your child is developing correctly. You can set your own milestones. They're sort of like goals, but often milestones are different measures that other people have set up to show that you've made progress as well. Sometimes if we want to say that someone has done something that we disapprove of, we can say that it is frowned upon. I frown upon that. It just means they get your disapproval. It doesn't mean that they're actually breaking a rule if they do something that's frowned upon. So we use this phrase when we want to say that someone's doing something that a lot of different people disapprove of. For instance, some people have dogs that bark really loudly. And this isn't necessarily against the law. It's not illegal. It might not be even breaking a rule, especially if it's in their own house on their own property. But their neighbors may frown upon this. This means that you might get judgmental looks. Your neighbors might not like you if your dog barks really loud. It's just a very frowned upon behavior. Mutual respect 
if you have mutual respect for someone, it means that you respect them as well as they respect you. This phrase mutual respect is very popular to use if you meet a person that you like a lot and they like you as well. You can say that we have mutual respect. This word mutual means that two people are the same. So if someone says to you, I had a great day today. I really like hanging out with you. You can say, that's mutual. I like it too. That means I feel the same. It's a mutual feeling. This phrase mutual respect means that we both have respect for one another. Having a sense of safety where you live is very important. This English phrase sense of safety means you feel like you have the freedom to go outside and you won't be in danger. For instance, there won't be theft, there won't be violent crimes, you don't have to worry about things getting stolen, and you don't have to worry about your general safety if you have a sense of safety. So I hope that you live in a neighborhood that you have a sense of safety in because it's very important for your well-being to feel safe. Sometimes when we travel, we don't know what the place we're going to is like, so we don't have a sense of safety there. We feel like we could be in danger, we're just being vigilant and we're being careful not to put ourselves in harm. I love this phrase, got your back. If you say, I've got your back, it means I'm supporting you and I'm defending you. Not necessarily physically, but if someone were to speak badly, about you and I say, I've got your back, it means I'll defend you in that conversation. If someone says, maybe I'm not sure if I'll have enough money to pay for this bill, you could say, I've got your back. I'll pay you if you don't have enough money. This just means I'm going to support you and I'm going to help you out. It's a really good natural idiom to say this. Ah, it's that time of year again. It's definitely that time of year again where I live where it gets really cold. This phrase, it's that time of year, is used to refer to something that happens again and again each year. So you could say it's that time of year, it's the holiday season. That means Christmas is coming and there's a bunch of other holidays around Christmas. In the United States, there's Hanukkah, there's Kwanzaa, there's a bunch of other holidays that I don't even know. So it's that time of year again. It's the holiday season. You can also say it's that time of day again if something happens every day. It's that time of day again. I'm very tired. If this happens every day around the same time, you can use this phrase, it's that time of day again. So running out of something. This phrase is used when you have a shortage of something. A big story in the news right now is all the shortages that the United States is facing in their stores of certain items because of a lot of different reasons. But if you're running out of something, it means you don't have enough of it. You're going to have to go buy more. You can also say, I'm running out of time. Of course, you can't buy time, but it just means that you don't have enough time to finish whatever you're trying to finish. Have you ever been in the wrong? This phrase means that you are responsible for something that has happened that is bad, or if you're having an argument or a discussion with someone and you realize that they are right, they have a better point of view, you can say, I'm sorry that I was in the wrong. For instance, if you blame someone for something breaking 
and it turns out it wasn't their fault, you could say, I'm sorry that I blamed you. I was in the wrong. I had no idea that you didn't actually break this. You were innocent. So if you want to say that you made an assumption that was wrong or you were arguing something that was wrong and not correct, you can say, I'm in the wrong, as if the wrong was a place. A really natural word that you can use in writing or in speaking to say that you want to bring attention to something is to say that you want to spotlight it. So a spotlight is something that's used typically on a stage to shine a light on a person. So your eyes would have attention to that person. You would be looking at them. And if you want to just metaphorically spotlight something, it means you're going to bring attention to it. So I can picture this phrase being used in a meeting. If you say, I want to spotlight all the good work that everyone has been doing lately, especially Kim, whoever Kim is. It's a trip. Okay, this is a really good phrase to use if something really crazy has happened or you want to describe something that you've done and just say, wow, it's a trip. I would say that having kids, it's a trip because you just feel like it's the craziest time. You created these humans. They do the funniest things. It's a trip. This phrase can also be used if something was really funny. You could say it was a trip. When you play a game with someone, and they lose, and they don't complain about it. They're just like, good game. It was fun. You can call them a good sport. This is kind of short for good sportsmanship. Sportsmanship is used to describe the quality of being kind while being competitive in English. A bad sport would do something like if you were playing tennis with them, they would throw their racket, they might spit on the court, they won't shake your hand. That's a bad sport. But if you call someone a good sport, it means they say good game, they shake your hand, they're happy, they're very kind. You can call people good sports in other situations. For instance, if you are having to make fun of someone, just kind of, you know, light humor, you're saying, wow, um, I can't believe you did that. That was so silly. Like, you're almost maybe poking fun at their intelligence just, just a little bit, just a little bit. You're not insulting them a lot. You can say, thanks for being such a good sport. Sorry I was making fun of you. This means that they are able to laugh even though they're the butt of the joke. They're the person that's being made fun of. If you say that somebody is being a good sport, it means they're not getting mad at the jokes that are being made. This phrase, ticking time bomb, it means that something is going to expire, time is going to expire, we're going to run out of time, and then something bad is going to happen. So you could say someone who's really emotional, you could call them a ticking time bomb. This is not a kind thing to call them. It's only a matter of time before they start crying. They're a ticking time bomb. Something bad is going to happen eventually if you're saying that something or someone is a ticking time bomb. You have a car that you know is going to break probably very soon in the future. You could say my car is just a ticking time bomb. It's going to break down any day. This phrase is used to describe when something bad is going to happen very soon. It's just a matter of time. You know it's going to happen if it's a ticking time bomb. Of course, a literal ticking time bomb, it's going to explode and you can hear it ticking so you know it's going to happen. A good phrase to use when you just have no idea what to do, 
you're super confused, you don't know what the right thing is to do, you can say, I'm at a loss. If you just can't think of the words to say or you can't think of the right action to do, just say, I'm at a loss. If something really bad happens, for instance, if you hear of someone dying or getting very sick, you could say, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, I'm so sorry. It means that it's so sad and confusing to you that you don't even know what to say. Moving on to a much more happy phrase, if you get a second wind, it means that you have gotten a burst of energy or a burst of focus. This phrase comes from the fact that when we are running and we're out of breath, like we're breathing heavily, we call that being winded in English. Now, when you get your second wind, you can be talking about exercise. You could say, I got my second wind and I ran really fast in my exercise or I, I, I went really fast or I lifted stuff that was really heavy, whatever you're doing. But you can also just use this phrase to describe your energy in general. If you get a second wind, it means you get a burst of energy or a burst of focus. Have you ever heard someone say that something is a perk? If something is a perk, it means it's a benefit. So oftentimes at our jobs, we talk about the perks, like maybe you get lunch, maybe you get a nice salary, maybe you get really good health insurance. These would all be perks or benefits of a job. Instead of saying that you really want to do something or you really want to eat something or you just really want to go somewhere, you can say that it's calling you. For instance, if you say, the beach is calling me. Maybe it means that you've been in cold weather for a while and you just would love a vacation and you just really want to go to the beach. You can say, the beach is calling me. Sometimes you can say this for food as well. You can say, that piece of pizza is calling me. It looks delicious. Or you could even say, right now, a warm bath and a nap is calling my name. This just means that you want to do those things and they sound really good to you in the moment. So you can say it's calling you or it's calling your name. If someone puts in a good word for you, it means that they have recommended you and they've actually said that you do a good job or you're a good person or whatever it is. Oftentimes, if you are applying for a job, you can say to someone that works already at that job, could you put a good word in for me? This means, could you recommend me to the boss or whoever's doing the hiring? If you are trying to date someone and you know their friend, you could say, could you put in a good word for me? That means, could you tell the person, you know, they should date me because I'm a good person. So this phrase, to put in a good word, means to recommend. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the English Vocabulary Help Podcast. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Instagram at English with Kayla. I will talk to you guys soon.